0: How to initiate a tough conversation or ask a tough question with your significant other. How to drop expectations when in a relationship. The importance of treating your partner as a guest in your life. The most important conversations that couples should have prior to getting married. How to work through jealousy and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 510 with authors, relationship coaches, lovers, and best friends, Molly Apple and Joe Dunn. Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, your host, Nick Carrier. At Best You, we exist to help individuals who are hungry for growth, get closer to the best version of themselves so that they can live meaningful and impactful lives. Are you somebody who really wants to improve your health, but you're just overwhelmed with all the chaos and busyness of life? Are you somebody who wants to feel more confident in their own skin and more confident when they look at themselves in the mirror? Are you somebody who wants to set positive examples and be a good role model for your kids, for your family members and for your peers? If so, then you need to go get access to my new video course called The Three Steps to Losing Fat and Building Muscle. You're going to get a grocery list, a week's worth of workouts, and a list of healthy snacks and sweets to choose from. You can get all of that for absolutely free today by going to nickcarrier.com. Y'all today, I am super pumped about this unique episode and to introduce you to Molly Apple and Joe Dunn. Molly and Joe are the authors of the award-winning book, The Soulmate Experience, a practical guide to creating extraordinary relationships. They coach singles and couples on creating and sustaining relationships that are intensely passionate and profoundly connected. And they just came out with their brand new book called Wild Monogamy, Cultivating Erotic Intimacy to Keep Passion and Desire Alive. Y'all, I'm just going to tell you, this conversation is so good. I mean, if you desire to have the best relationship possible, this episode is for you. If you have a difficult time with placing expectations on your partner or being jealous of your partner, then this conversation is for you. And if you, like me, sometimes have a difficult time initiating difficult questions and difficult conversations, then this episode is for you. So without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with Molly Apple and Joe Dunn. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to be joined by the one and only Molly Apple and the one and only Joe Dunn. Uh, Molly and Joe just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today, y'all.
1: Super happy yeah, to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, of course. So I'm really excited. Anytime I've interviewed a couple, a few different times, but never necessarily specifically about relationships. So I'm really excited to Dive into relationships, y'all's relationships, relationships in generals, and y'all's philosophy and stuff. But I want to start off by a little bit how you guys met. I know you guys met uh, kind of off of Craigslist, which is awesome. Uh, I guess how probably a little bit more of the online dating scene uh, from from years ago. Um, tell me a little bit about the first dating experience from y'all's perspective. Was it one of these like? the first date was amazing and we knew this person was somebody we saw a future with? Or was it like, eh, I'm not really sure. It was a little bit awkward. Tell me a little bit about kind of the the first date experience for y'all. It was pretty amazing, actually. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> it, it was actually after about three weeks or so of madly writing back and forth to each other.
1: And... No pictures. Yeah. Wow. Next.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who does that? Not very many people.
2: We were, we were actually really excited to not share pictures. We talked about it a lot and decided not to do it. And um, I was just blown away when I saw him in person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about, about these letters then. What do you think y'all talked about in the letters that made it such a powerful thing to communicate that way first and transitioning into the first meeting being so powerful as well?
1: I, I think the, the the main thing that we talked about from the very beginning was relationships. Mm. And I was really intrigued because, I don't know, maybe a half a dozen years before I'd gone to a really intensive relationship course. And a lot of the ideas that I was hearing from Molly were basically the sim- very similar to what I'd heard, you know, half a dozen years before. And so it really piqued my interest. And that's, I think, what kept this dialogue going. At least from my side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. I, I
2: think it really interested you, Joe, because at the time you were taking that course, you were in a relationship that was really spiraling downward and you couldn't put those ideas into practice at And right. I think
1: it was it was too far gone for that. So, you know, to have this opportunity to basically, you know, try these ideas fresh was amazing.
0: So Molly, I'm interested when you were discussing relationships via letter, were you, what were you communicating? Were you asking what he thought would be a successful relationship? Were you th- saying what you thought would be a successful relationship? You Were you discussing best practices? What, like what, what exactly were you discussing?
2: I think bec- best practices is the way to characterize it because it was things like not have, not coming into the relationship with expectations about who mm-hmm. this person is, about what they're going to do for you and giving them as much space as possible to be themselves and having that reciprocated.
1: Yeah. And
2: I was very interested in an experiment of somebody who was ready to try a relationship based on principles like that. Principles like acceptance, accepting who this person is, where they came from, their belief systems, all the
1: education. Yeah. All the
2: things that make them into who they are and not, and and being very self-aware that, you're not imposing something on them or wanting them to be different than
0: who they are. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested if you don't want the person to be different than they are ever, obviously everybody's going to be a little bit different and you don't want to go on with expectations. What are some of the most important things that you kind of need to have alignment on when it comes to relationships? Obviously it's fine to have plenty of things that are different, but what are some of the most important things to have alignment on?
2: And this is a great question because when people are coaching people for dating they'll they'll tell them to make a list of what they want and what they don't want and I think oftentimes those lists turn in, into list of limitations because there are certain things that everybody should be looking for somebody who's got integrity somebody who is honest kind. and kind yeah, yeah. And, and all of those things that everybody really ought to have in a relationship as a base as a baseline and above that i don't think there's a lot that's necessary beyond that
0: Mm.
2: you know besides having unless your belief systems if somebody's extremely religious and somebody isn't that could be an issue Mm -hmm. Um, but other than that you don't need to have somebody speak a specific language or have earned a certain number of degrees those things really aren't what makes a relationship great
1: Yeah. In fact, um, you know, going back to the list that people make for a moment, um, if Molly had put on her list that she wants somebody with a college degree, we never would have met because I don't have one. Mm. And so, you know, those, it, it just made me realize how limiting those lists can be, right? You might have the perfect person, but he didn't check one or she didn't check one box and you'll never know.
2: And I would have never met him if we'd had to share pictures. First.
1: That's that's true. That's true. Because I had this idea in my head, as crazy as it seems to me now, uh, 20 years later, that I was not attracted to redheads. Mm. So, I was, you know, that was an interesting thing that when we finally did meet after three weeks, I was confronted with this picture, you know, my picture of what I thought was attractive and not attractive. And it didn't take long for me to shift, but, you know, it was it was it was a great experience too, the, the way we met and how it all rolled out. Because mm-hmm. if I had been looking on a dating site and just scrolling pictures, I would have scrolled right by.
0: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I'm interested to um, go a little bit further into the no pictures thing because I think that's awesome. I've, I've had similar thoughts about doing that before dating, uh, going on dates as well. Talk to me a little bit about how much you feel like it's important when when it comes to like, sexual attraction and visual attraction early on like how important having at least like some of that is versus it's not really important at all you can just fall in love with the person and then you become can become attracted to them physically I guess like give me a little bit of y'all's opinion or or thoughts or, or experiences with regards to the importance of the physical attraction early on
2: I think this is a little bit why I am actually addicted to Love is Blind. I'm going to admit that right here. <laughs> the only okay. show I've ever been in. The woman that in. doesn't watch
1: TV. Yes. Is <laughs> <laughs>
2: because that's exactly what they're doing. Can you develop a relationship without sight unseen? And I think there has to be some degree of physical attraction. However, I'm also a person who's going, going blind. And so I think a lot about... Well, what about if you were blind? You'd still have some people that you were physically attracted to and some you weren't, you know, there's pheromones and there's other things that are indicators of that, that, that make people feel sexual attraction to somebody. So I think that, yes, you can develop it to a certain degree, but there's some, you know, unknown ingredients Mm -hmm. That you you at the bottom line you're either going to be able to develop that attraction or you're not going to be able to. So eventually, meeting in person, seeing if that any degree of chemistry is there is important.
0: Hmm. Awesome, yeah, I, I think that's great. I've actually never watched Love Is Blind myself, so maybe I need to go watch it and give it, get an idea of what their conversations are. Um, I have a girlfriend right now, and, and uh, she. Talk, she she watch, watches Love Is Blind as well, so I might have to sit down and watch it with her a little bit. Um, I am. I, I know that, in y'all. In this, I was going through a little bit of the soulmate experience, and y'all's talk about how it's important to kind of see your significant other, the person you're in a relationship with, with uh, as a guest in your life. I want you to run with that idea a little bit and talk to us a little bit about what you mean by that. Hmm.
1: Well, basically, you know, when you have a guest that shows up in your life, you treat them typically really well. Right. And I think the tendency in a relationship is that, you know, that person shows up as a guest in your life for a while and then they become, you know, this this same person you're in relationship with and things sort of t- tend to um, ease up a little bit in terms of that Uh you know, how you how you view your partner. So mm-hmm. to continually hold them as a guest in your life, because l- let's face it, I mean, they are a guest in your life, right? Anybody at any time could decide they're going to bail out and go. And I think the the more we treat our partner as a guest in our life, the, the less that's likely to happen.
2: And that again, you know, entails not putting on them a lot of expectations about who they are, how they show up. You wouldn't do that to somebody that was a a really good friend of yours that that you don't get to see very often.
0: Mm.
2: It's that concept of holding the space for them to be someone different than you expect them to be. You know, that makes the room for them yeah. to grow.
1: Mm. As soon as we have a list of expectations about what our partner should be, you know, it it really kind of restricts their potential.
0: Mm. Mm. No, I think that's great. I think what you what you said, Molly, with regards to almost expect them to be somebody different leaves the room for them to be whoever they are, be whoever they want to be. And, and one of the things that I saw y'all talk about as well is the importance about not getting completely enveloped in your identity as a couple and making sure that you have your own identity as well. And so I want to hear what you guys do to ensure that you still are kind of like developing yourself and developing your own identity, but also developing as a couple. So talk to me about some of the different things that y'all do to make, to make sure you're developing individually and together.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's really important that people be allowed to have whatever friendships nourish them. And that's one place where somebody might try to control their partner's friendships. They might try to control their partner's extracurricular activities. And I'm not talking about affairs. I'm just talking about um, if I'm somebody that likes to go out with my friends to a bar because I enjoy the camaraderie and the music and all that, I don't want to be with a partner who is so um, jealous over something like that, that we can't talk about it and help them learn to be more comfortable with it. So, I particularly see that happening where women are uncomfortable if their guy wants to go with their guy friends. Mm. That's something inherently makes them nervous about that situation. And to me, that's an opportunity for a conversation and understanding and finding new ways to be comfortable with us, understanding where he's coming from. Why does he enjoy doing that? Why does that give him something?
1: Yeah, and a lot of times in relationships, you know, I think our partners expect us to basically end relationships that they feel is a threat. Mm. But in our relationship, Molly has male friends, I have female friends, and we celebrate those relationships, you know, as a, as opposed to, you know, want our partner to, to uh, shut them
0: down.
2: Just because we're fearful. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Do you think that that insecurity around if he has a female friend and you felt insecure about that do you feel like that insecurity is mainly from you mainly from a lack of trust of of him or a combination what do you what do you see most frequently with regards to where that maybe insecurity comes from
2: so often that insecurity comes from a couple of things one is cultural conditioning Right. We're actually trained to be nervous about that. It, it, almost yeah. any television show, movie you watch, yeah. song lyrics, they give this message that you need to be on guard and you need to be watchful. And number two, it can come from past experiences. So mm-hmm. if I'm with someone who is untrustworthy and actually, actually be- behaved in untrustworthy ways, I might develop this sort of PTSD response to uh, certain situations. Mm. Those are the kinds of things that we advocate, and we talk a lot in our books about how to open up conversations about this before you ever, before you ever have to be in those situations. All right. We want couples to be having those conversations from the start. Let's share. Let's let's develop this habit of sharing these places that are kind of fearful to yeah. talk about,
1: and, and they can be uncomfortable to talk about too. Especially if you've sort of been trained that oh no, I don't. We don't talk about it. We just do our thing. And so, yeah, I, I would, I would agree. It's, it's. uh, it's,
2: it's... Those conversations generate intimacy Mm. when we can talk about the things that we're afraid of, that make us jealous, that happened in other relationships that we're fearful about when we can create a safe space to be able to talk about those things and be able to not, not only just talk about them, but like Oh, it makes me nervous when we go to parties because I'm afraid you're going to see other attractive women and then you're not going to really want to be with me. If we can have a conversations about that, he can be as reassuring as reassuring as he likes. But I still might have that reaction when we go to a party. So, if we can have this agreement that we go into the party together and. And, he, and I'm aware that he's willing to listen to me if I'm saying, oh, it's happening now. Like, I see that woman over there, and it makes me nervous. I'm telling myself, I want to reveal what is the dialogue I'm giving myself that's making me feel nervous. Mm-hmm. And when we can bring that out in the open, it's just like anything else. Shame, fears, when we can bring it out in the open with someone, that takes the sting off it right away.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we feel better. It creates a more intimate environment. And we can also feel comfortable about talking about other things that might come up and that will, will come up right in the future.
0: Yeah. I think that, that that was a great insight when you said that these difficult conversations create more intimacy because I think oftentimes we fear the difficult conversation because we think there might be negative ramification from the difficult conversation. But actually, it can be a positive. Most often, it seems like it might be a, it might be a positive thing and create even more intimacy for you guys. So I feel like Instead of viewing the difficult conversation as scary, try to view it as an opportunity that you can step into and grow through.
2: Right. Exactly Especially right. if we have these sort of meta conversations before that time even comes where mm. we talk about with a new person, I'm going to want to talk about when things come up, I want to be able to discuss them for let's talk about what that might be like. like it's not easy to do. Right? Mm-hmm. You're nervous to bring it up. You don't know how the person's going to react. But if we've had conversations before that time and sort of practiced it and know that we're both going to be on one end or the other at some point, it's not always going to be me who's feeling insecure or fearful. You've got your insecurities around other things. And yeah. at some point we'll be talking about that. Then we've sort of set the stage for being able to have that conversation when the time m- warrants it.
1: And and as difficult as th- these conversations are, they're so much easier to have ahead of a relationship of really mm. jumping with. Because you know what often happens is right, I'm I'm talking to a woman over here, and maybe Molly is is jealous and upset, and maybe she says something to me because you know, we haven't had the conversations and I take it the wrong way and I get defensive. Um, you know, or irritated by it. it I have just, to
2: say that that's not it, ever happened in this relationship.
1: No, I'm just saying that <laughs> it, it, this is what I, oftentimes <laughs> we Hypothetical. <laughs> you know, yeah.
2: Just trying to take that on just felt really icky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's amazing. So I, I love this. I think that having that meta conversation before something like that even presented itself is really big. And so I'm going to kind of run with that idea of importance of different kind of meta conversations to have so I'm right now I'm 28 and I'm of the age where a lot of people right now who are around my age are getting married and anytime somebody gets engaged the thought is like oh my gosh that happened so quick or man that took forever and we think about it just from like a time perspective rather than necessarily like how how well you got to know that person in that time when the conversations that you had During that time, because I don't think there's necessarily you have to date somebody for X number of months or years before you should uh, get engaged or anything like that. I think a lot has to do with the level of conversation and the level of maturity of the individual, all to kind of lead up to the question of what kind of conversations do you think are massively important to ensure that you have with a significant other before you're making the lifelong commitment with them?
2: Hmm. I love. I love what you've just said there. That people who have these kind of deep conversations probably are readier than people who haven't. So I really, right. really appreciate that. Um, I want people to talk about places they're insecure. I want them to be able to talk about places they feel inhibited. I want them to talk about places they feel shame. These are big, big conversations. And they have to establish beforehand a a safe space where. I know I'm not going to be judged. I know you're, you're here to love me no matter what. We've had these conversations where we say we both have insecurities. We both have inhib- inhibitions. We both feel shame around some things. We both can feel envious or jealous at times. And those are really the biggest ones. And if mm. we can talk about, wow, where has jealousy, where has that been in my past? A lot of people are really afraid to tell someone they've ever felt jealous, even if they feel it a lot. Right. Because there's there's such a stigma around it for good reason. Um, Not because it's a bad thing to experience, but because of what we might do when we're in a jealous state, when we don't have other tools.
0: (laughs) Mm. That's, that's, that's really good. Um, So I, for my experience, so many people talk about in a relationship around how, Arguing and conflict is just part of it. People always say, like, there's just going to be arguments. They're going to have conflicts. You have to find a way to work through them. My experience is I have amazing parents, and I don't know if I've really ever seen them actually have a real fight or an argument. Of course, they maybe have... Opinion disagreements about certain things, but it never escalates uh, to a, a fight or an argument or, or a major conflict or anything like that. So that has never really been my experience. And then with my experience with my girlfriend, we've been dating for about a year now and we've never really had an argument. And what other people are telling me that it's just part of it, I'm like, is something wrong with me because I'm not having an argument? So I want to hear, uh, I want to hear kind of y'all's input with regards to the prevalence of arguing and conflict and maybe strategies around mitigating those things. Mm -hmm. We are, we are not
1: believers in this idea that you (laughs) must have conflicts or arguments and, uh, and they're just a part of relationships. When
2: it, when I hear it, I just have to laugh. And I hear it a lot more now than ever that that people, couples who say they never argue are lying or they're really repressed. And I just have to laugh. I'm like, okay, 20 years, we're seriously <laughs> repressed when we can actually have a conversation about just about anything that will make other couples really nervous to have.
1: So. And we spend so much time together, Nick. I mean... Uh, Sometimes we're together 24-7, right, because we're so involved in, in what we're doing together. You would think that if there was ever a uh, an opportunity for arguments or disagreements, it's when you spend so much time together.
2: So I do think it's something that you want to start from the very beginning. There's a lot of things I believe couples should. In fact, our newest book, uh, Wild Monogamy, the very first chapter has something we call the Intimacy Inquiry and it's dozens and dozens of really deep questions that might take a lifetime to really dive into because they're 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 meant to generate intimacy by having people look at things and discuss things that they're probably not ever discussed in their relationship before but it it creates this foundation for being able to talk about the hard things and 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 you've practiced now not just reacting in the moment when your partner brings up something that, wow, I really don't, that doesn't sit well with me, but I'm going to use these tools we've now developed, which is I'm going to do my best to understand where he's coming from, to recognize that if I had his history and his education and his experiences and his belief system, I would believe exactly what he believes right now. Mm. And to be able to have that perspective and hold it as, I'm going to honor whatever your belief is, even if I don't agree with it, then we don't have to argue. Well. We, can, we, can, we can have a much more productive conversation about, okay, you've got that. And I hold this belief over here pretty tightly. How can we creatively make something work for both of us?
0: We'll be back to the interview in just a second, but first I wanted to share some words from a participant of the 10-Week Transformation. At Best U, we started running the 10WT back in January of 2020 and have since had 313 people and counting go through it. They've seen their bodies get stronger than ever before, they've seen the stubborn fat finally come off, and they've seen their habits dramatically improve. And honestly, more than anything, they've seen their self-confidence skyrocket. If you want to learn more about the 10-week transformation, then you can go to nickcarrier.com slash 10WT. That's nickcarrier.com slash the number 10WT. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but first, here's what they had to say.
1: I have completed Nick's transformation program twice, and I'm gearing up to start my third. I have
2: seen more and more progress every time I complete the program and not all of it is just physical. I would say the two best parts of the program for me have been um, first, Nick has taught me how to really prepare my week to overcome the type of obstacles that everybody is up against when it comes to trying to maintain our health journeys. And then the second being that during really chaotic seasons of life, it's helped me to prioritize my health. Uh, the workouts are really fun. We do new stuff every time you walk into the gym. And I've been involved in group fitness classes my entire life. And the amount of energy that Nick brings is so completely you like like, unparalleled. Kind of it's so
0: much fun. I love it, it. So if you're thinking about doing
2: it, you should. You'll be relationships glad Relationships
0: where their arguments or conflict happens happens very seldom or not at all is it really about the few things of knowing the other person so well through different levels of conversation you having a lot of like skills and tools in your tool belt on how to manage different situations
2: i think that's would i think that would result in that i mean obviously there are couples that they're just so mellow and they just don't hold really strong beliefs or their beliefs completely line up that they wouldn't have a lot of conflict. So there's that category, but for people who, who aren't completely aligned. Yeah. I think just what you say, these are skills (laughs) that Mm -hmm. we want, if we don't come into the relationship with, which most of us don't because we didn't have a relationship education growing up, right. We want to consciously develop them together.
1: So that's why it's so important to try to do a lot of this at the start of a relationship, right? And not wait until you get down the road and then-
2: All the stuff that's built up. <laughs> right,
1: right. Plus you come up with these ideas, you know, you surprise the heck out of your partner because just now three years into the relationship, you're, 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 you've are you're you pulled up some idea that totally, you know, uh, uh, disagrees with what your partner thinks. And it's just so much easier to try to work that stuff out at the beginning. Mm have those conversations and get comfortable with who your partner is and who you are in relation to your partner
2: and get comfortable with they might not always be the person that you wish they were. Yeah. That they that they need to do things their own way and that they need to grow in their own at their own pace. Even though you know, we really really believe that once you have that environment established you can be the most help for your partner in, in their own personal growth. Um, when you're able to say, hey, I'm, I, whatever it is that you want to develop in yourself, I'm here to help you with that. Yeah. And I don't have an agenda for you, and I'm not going to expect, I don't have any expectation that you evolve at a certain pace, but I'm here to help you when I can.
1: And and what what better than your partner who you spend so much time with to help you be a better person? I mean, they know you intimately. And they know where your weaknesses are. They know where your strengths are. Oftentimes, they see you, your strengths, better than you do.
2: That's true.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So you guys have you guys have talked about how sometimes you as a partner, you're best positioned to be that other person's catalyst for their own personal development, their own personal growth. And I had a brief little backstory. I had the blessing and opportunity to be able to officiate my cousin's wedding a number of months ago. And before the the officiating of that wedding, I, for whatever reason, started to think about how I wanted to intertwine what my definition of love actually is. And then I didn't have a definition for love, so I started to explore what I thought that was. And kind of what I came up with simply based off of mainly looking at My parents' relationship and other relationships that I admire and respect is, I said they have fun, people who really love each other have fun together, they are willing to sacrifice for each other, and they're better together. And I think that, you know, better together is a little bit what you guys just addressed with regards to being that other person's best catalyst for personal growth and development. Talk to me a little bit about maybe how you guys think about love and what are like some of the key ingredients that you need for, for lasting love.
2: Hmm.
0: Well, I think you pretty much nailed it, Nick. Uh, you're three. You have
2: to having fun is important.
1: Yes. Yes. You must have fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think we think so. I think one of the things that comes naturally to us, but it can also be something that you intentionally cultivate is a gratitude for just the opportunity mm. to, get to spend time with this person. Mm and the knowledge, like I remind myself every day and people think this is a little macabre sometimes, but I remind myself every day that this guy could die tomorrow. And I, that helps me cherish everything we get to do together. Even the challenging things. Mm. Yeah.
1: I'm a swimmer, so I'm not probably not going to die tomorrow. <laughs> but, uh...
0: <laughs> but, just... no, but I think, but I think, no, I, obviously. Yes. Uh, but I think that's a, that's a great perspective to always have because I think sometimes if we think about our own mortality, that gives us a sense of urgency and a sense of gratitude for every single day uh, that we get to experience. Uh, before I kind of get down to the last couple of questions, I, I want to go back actually to more of the inception of y'all's relationship because, Molly, I know that you had, a, I think if I remember correctly, that you had a daughter with, a, with someone previously and then uh, Joe comes into your life. So give me a little bit of the dynamic of what that was like when uh, Joe came into your life with you already having a daughter. I know there was a quote in the book about how you had a therapist saying like, she's going to be really screwed up because of this whole relationship dynamic, uh, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, obviously not the case. So tell me a little bit about why do you think it worked well?
2: Yeah. Um, Joe actually had um, two children as well. Okay. And he, he, is so close to my daughter and I am so close to his daughter. And I think a lot of that had to do with, there was no pressure on either of them to develop a relationship with the new person. Mm. And we tried to both, I think, make it as, and I, and I tried myself with his daughter. Like I didn't ever want to step in and act like I was, I had some role in her life. Mm -hmm. And eventually she, just as my daughter did to you, she invited me in she sent me a card talking about stepmom. I was blown away. Like it was the sweetest thing. And you know, it makes me cry now to even think about it. That she's she's so incredibly open to me being a part of her life in a mother type role. And,
1: and and she loves having two dads. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they both do.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
2: <laughs> yeah, they both do. They both really appreciate. I think because of the people. We are like the person Joe is, he's a he's a very kind and hands off kind of person. That made it a lot easier to just step in and start doing fun things with my daughter. Like we went and played mini golf and we went to movies and we did things like that. And she got to know him as a
1: friend. Yeah, and I think that was it was important because, you know, I could I could sense some resistance, right? To the changing of relationships, right? Mm-hmm. This is my mom. You're taking me away from my dad. You know, all that, the, those messages, right? That they think. And so it was really important to me to have a completely hands-off approach until that point where she decided yeah. that it was okay to have something different. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it was great at that point. It took a while, but- yeah, um, I
2: remember when it was, she, when she was- um when she was 10, she had to have surgery. Um, and the morning of the surgery, she realized the stakes were high. You're going to be put under and these things are going to happen. And she started to cry. And she said to me, tell Joey I love him.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so <laughs> cool. Wanted, made me cry. <laughs> she wanted him to know
2: in case she didn't make it through the surgery. <laughs> mm.
1: And That's at that funny. point, our relationship changed for the best, ba- you know, I mean, it, it just it took a big, ba- it was never bad, but it took this great leap forward.
2: And mm. I really think it was because you never demanded anything. Neither one of us did.
1: Yeah. Um, we like, I'm your father, I'm your stepfather, whatever. I'm, you know, I let her do her thing. And
0: yeah, and she's I think kid, that- so it
1: was easy to do that, but,
0: uh, <laughs> right. Uh I guess from each of y'all's perspective, but I'll kind of ask the question, Molly, from your perspective, uh, you know, Joe talks about how he didn't want to ever force the relationship with your daughter when getting into it. Um, I think that for, I feel like some daughters might be like, he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to get to know me. He doesn't want to be a part of my life. I think some some daughters might, you know, interpret it like that if he's not maybe trying to get to know me. But I think that a lot of it probably had to do with the way that you communicated to her about him, and so I'm interested to hear why maybe she didn't take it like that.
2: Yeah, I think he was he was very available for a relationship, mm-hmm. and we did a lot of things together. Mm-hmm. It was just that we never said to her, "You have to treat him a certain way." Right. You know, we let that we let that be up to her as to how close she wanted to be and when. Um, mm-hmm. And I really think that was key. Just to let it be on her own terms.
0: Yeah, I think I, I think what I'm getting the insight of is, it wasn't like he never saw her. It was he was he was around. It was it's more that you guys never placed expectations on her about what the relationship should be. Yes, it right. was like
2: it was like we did a lot of things together, but it wasn't like right. you should hug him when we see each other. Mm. Say anything like that.
0: Yeah, a- I'm sure that happens a decent amount.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. People trying to force the relationship to happen.
2: Yeah. Like it has it's supposed to look a certain way. Yeah. Mm -mm.
0: So I'm a I'm a big habit-oriented guy. And I'm interested to hear if you guys feel like you have most important relationship habits, whether it's daily things, weekly things, monthly things, yearly things. Is it like every single month we need to sit down and address one of these questions in the, in y'all, in one of your books? Is it every single month we need to go on a trip? Is it every day I need to make sure I say, I love you before you go to bed? Like, what do you guys feel like, if any, are some like important relationship habits that you might implement? I, I think when you were saying those, Nick, I was kind
1: of getting this like uneasy feeling in my stomach. Like we should do this. We have to do this. We have to, you know, those are, those are rules about relationship that we don't really buy into, right? Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you make it a rule, you know then it's not fun anymore,
2: right? There's mm-hmm. a reason to do it. I do think it's important, and it's become clear to me over the years of just having a way to have some time together that's not scripted. So whether mm-hmm. that whether that's a date night, but I, but. Unlike a lot of relationship coaches, I don't, I don't like to tell couples you need to have a date night because so many, oh, so many people respond to that as like, Oh, one more thing I have to do. Like it's more, yeah. work it that feels like work to me. So better for, for us that, Oh, there's a weekend coming up and there's nothing planned for Saturday. So how about we leave that open? And let's see what we feel like doing when that time comes, as opposed to something necessarily preordained, like you are going to do this. It, just, it doesn't have the...
1: Right. It, <laughs> it definitely shows up as a have to and not a want to. But I
2: think that that having free time together to do something that you both want to do when that time comes, that I would say is a good habit.
1: And right. I think the other big habit that comes to mind for me is just being grateful for your partner. Yeah, I know and you can do that every day easily yeah and i think and,
0: and probably probably an important part of that is actually verbalizing it to the other person i don't even know that it's i mean i think that we since we we both have it we both share
1: that feeling it's just it's just in the space oh that's a good point you know i think whatever however we verbalize it would come naturally right not because it's like Oh man, the day's almost gone. And I, I haven't said, I haven't said yeah. I'm grateful for you today. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, we demonstrated to each other, I think rather than Naturally. speak it to each other.
2: Naturally mm. I speak it too, but it's not something that we tell ourselves we have to do every day. Like definitely yeah. no have tos. like if we didn't kiss today or we didn't say I love you today, it's not going to be like, you didn't matter to me. Huh? Right. Like, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh-huh.
0: <laughs> no, I think that's, that's really important. I think, have to's and and shoulds are very can sometimes be very dangerous and and it's creating something that that doesn't need to it's it's potentially creating conf- like creating conflict by saying those things have to happen.
2: It's really an yeah. intimacy smotherer at all those yeah. shoulds.
0: Mm. But I mean but I feel like it's like you've touched on relationship coaches I'm assuming I've never interacted with a relationship coach but I know that so many people like we have to have one date night a week. We got to do at least one date night a month. And I feel like I hear that all the time.
2: Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I am I, not an advocate. W- w- there's a line in uh, our first book, The Soulmate Experience, where um, uh, a man we were talking to said, and about this, because he and his wife were in couples coaching, couples therapy, and they had to have a, they were supposed to establish a date night and he was not feeling good about it. he said, he said, there's a big difference between wanting to have a date night and having to have a date night.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's that's powerful. That's a big difference. No doubt about that. Um, well, before I ask the last question, I just want to acknowledge both of you guys for having the difficult conversations early and often when it comes to relationships because it seems like it has obviously served a massively positive role in the relationship that you have with yourselves and with each other. And for you guys to be able to grow so much individually and have your own identity, but grow as a couple as well. That's very admirable because I feel like some people can lose their own identity when when they have a cup when they're part of a, a couple or a marriage for so long and being able to do that and, and be such a good role model for that is inspiring for me and inspiring for a lot of people, I'm sure.
2: Thank you.
0: Of course. Of course. Well, you guys need to make sure. We talked a little bit about uh, their couple of books uh, during this podcast. You guys need to make sure you go get The Soulmate Experience, which is their first book, and then their most recent book called Wild Monogamy. And you need to make sure you go follow them on social media at Molly and Joe as well. That's M-A-L-I and Joe, J-O-E. Uh, you can follow them on Instagram. Where else can people go learn more about you guys and connect with you? Uh, YouTube. YouTube. We have a lot and of videos on YouTube. And Facebook. Awesome. Awesome. YouTube and Facebook, you guys make sure whether you are in a tough time in a relationship or you're not in a tough time, it's it's never a bad time. It's always the right time to go learn about how you can make your relationship all that it absolutely can be. And like they said, I think oftentimes people wait till times are bad to have difficult conversations, but sometimes you're already behind if you're waiting till then. But it's almost most important to have these conversations, these meta conversations and advance so that when situations potentially arise you have more tools in your tool belt um, and knowledge of the other person to be able to handle them nimbly. So make sure you go uh, learn more about them and and get their books and stuff like that. But last question is I'm going to spin it a little bit differently than how I normally ask it. Usually I ask about how to get closer to the best version of yourself, but I want to spin it in a relationship perspective. And so basically I think that any kind of growth journey, is always a constant journey. I believe it's always ever developing. We're never perfect by ourselves. We're never perfect as a relationship. And I also believe that it, there, it's a unique journey. I think that everybody, the way that they continue to grow and develop is unique to them. So the way I'm going to ask this for you guys is if there are three things that y'all could currently do or currently work on, to continue to have the best relationship and nurture the best relationship that you could possibly have then what are three things that y'all could currently do or currently work on
2: hmm.
0: you mean three things that we're not doing now <laughs> it, and not necessarily it could be things that you're doing now that you're just going to got to continue to do
2: i think one of the things that comes to me and it is it is something that we're continually working on is Aging itself brings challenges, like, and I, I just don't think most people are ready for that. I'm not ready for it. <laughs> but
1: and I'm five years older than you are. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know.
2: But it brings challenges, you know. For I think for women in particular, you know, the culture does not support you um, being attractive as older uh, when you're mm-hmm. older. And Joe's just such a help with me around this, and to continuing to change my belief system around it because I've been programmed by my culture to believe women are not attractive when they're older. And so that is something I am big time working on. One of the ways I do that is, you know, when I see an older woman now, I'm like looking at her going, oh, how is she attractive? Not whether, but how? And that's that's been huge for me. So that's one thing that we'll be working on for the rest of our lives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I think another thing to me that that's super important that keep our relationship going is that we laugh a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. We are always looking for opportunities to enjoy each other's company and to laugh. And so I think that's uh that's a big one, at least for me, to to have a relationship that I always look forward to being in.
2: Mm. I, I've got another one. W- one of the things that we advocate doing and do ourselves is when there are things we're nervous about we continue to find ways to play in that nervousness and w- one thing that joe makes joe very nervous is dancing
1: and so <laughs> yeah i was not didn't grow up a dancer <laughs> and
2: so we you know we take the opportunities and he is he he get he's willing and he'll do it and so he's still working with this belief that he's not good at it but He's he's willing. We've got one other one coming up. I haven't even told you about.
1: Oh, great. All right. (laughs) 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 There's
2: a dance that's going to be happening um, at our uh, daughter's wedding.
1: Oh, don't right. I don't know about that it. That you're
2: yet. going to be a part of, yeah.
1: Oh, I haven't even fun. broached it with you. No, I've heard a little <laughs> things here and there about it. That's <laughs> amazing. Saw something on a text about yeah, it. Oh, yeah, oh. I thought, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it doesn't mean me. Oh yeah, it does. I just
2: haven't mentioned it yet. <laughs> I was waiting for the right time.
0: I guess next. You <laughs> you can't get out of it now because everybody's listening. So I guess not. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did want to ask one more closing question because I I wanted to ask it earlier, but I had forgot about it. So we've talked about the importance of having big conversations and difficult conversations. I know that me personally, I've had times where I know I've wanted to ask a bigger question or have a difficult conversation with my girlfriend. And sometimes it can be just hard to initiate the conversation. Once you get going, it's like it's fine. But initiating it can sometimes be the tough part. What is your advice to somebody who is leaving, listening to this podcast and who's going to leave it like, okay, I know there's that thing I need to bring up with my significant other. Or I know there's a question that I want to ask, but I've, I've struggled to ask it. How can I best initiate that difficult conversation?
2: Exactly like you just did. You, you are you are upfront saying, you know, there's something I've been wanting to talk to you about. I'm so nervous about it. I'm not sure what the right time is. It makes me just so uncomfortable to even be telling you this, but I really want to talk to you about it. So I don't know if that should be now or if there's another time where you'd be more open to like a, a conversation that's scary for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think inviting your partner into your discomfort. Yeah.
2: It's good. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Is a great way to get to move out of that place. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think we're at least for us, we're we're here to to help each other grow. And so if there's a place where Molly is uncomfortable, you know, we want to talk about it. Yeah. We want to get to the bottom of that and make her more comfortable.
2: And I do, just like you just saw here with the dance thing. Like I know it makes him nervous. I've been waiting for the right time. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so hilarious. I do that with big things too, and just say. You know, it's going to be better to bring this up when we have, you know, two hours we're going to be together and not a whole Mm. bunch of things we're doing at the moment. Or you're not feeling stressed out from a long day. Um, I'm going to wait for that time till that time feels right, because I'm going to have the best outcome then.
0: She has incredible Mm. patience in that respect. (laughs) Mm, That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, there were so many great things in here today, y'all. I think the thing that I just am continually going back to is how arguments and conflicts should not be an accepted regularity in relationships. But if there are those things that pop up, know that, okay, maybe these things can be mitigated and, and largely diminished in the future if conversations are had, if I get to learn learn more about my significant other, and also if I just get more tools um, and things in my tool belt. so absolutely great today I know so many people got a lot of value in it so make sure you guys follow them on Instagram follow them on Facebook on YouTube and continue to get more uh, relationship advice guidance and, and tools and tips from them but that's all we got today Molly and Joe I really appreciate it alright thank,
2: thank you thanks so for much it's fabulous
1: it's been fun of course
0: That episode was an absolute blast. I hope you all enjoyed hearing the tips and advice and stories from Molly and Joe as much as I did. And remember, if you're overwhelmed about what you should eat, if you want to feel more confident in your own skin, and if you have a sweet tooth late at night and you need to satisfy that in a healthy manner, then go get access to my new free video course called The Three Steps to Losing Fat and Building Muscle at NickCarrier.com for free. Remember, don't go into relationships with expectations around how your partner should be. Leave space for them to be whoever they are and whoever they want to be. Now, that doesn't mean you have to accept them doing crazy outlandish things. That might just not be the person for you. But we need to stop assuming that someone should ever be a particular way. It's not good to should on ourselves and it's not good to should on others. And remember, to have the difficult conversations, ask the difficult questions. Instead of them being potential sources of conflict, allow them to be sources of greater intimacy. I think that was such a great shift of mindset for me like don't think of them as a source of conflicts think about them being as a source of greater intimacy and as an opportunity to learn more about them and to gain wisdom and gain tools and skills so that you guys can act with more agility in future circumstances that arise my biggest takeaway again is to ask the questions have the difficult conversations don't be afraid of them lean into them If you can go into relationships expectation-free, if you can not should on other people and lean into difficult questions and conversations, you'll continue to have more fulfilling relationships and therefore continue to get closer and closer to your best you.